When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Esty Chandler. This is Mark Holton. Hi there, this is Stuart Fratkin. You are listening to Zach and Dustin from $2 Late Fee. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but... Maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Jason Bateman (laughs) is Teen Wolf 2. Todd Howard is a regular guy. Hi. Bye. With a couple of problems. You just hit me with a dead frog. Jerk. Just like his cousin Scott. Feeling a little furry in there, buddy? The good news is he's going to college. This fine young man carries our hopes and dreams into the ring. The bad news is, he's going through a few changes. And when you do change, I'm going to be there to take you straight to the top. I don't howl. We've arrived. Teen Wolf 2. Strange boy. Before we uh, talk about the the, the name of uh, the movie and all that stuff, can I just read you guys the, the synopsis of this movie? Really uh, well, is this one? Is this a synopsis that you wrote? No, this this no. Oh, okay. This, this uh, is from IMDb. I suppose that's okay. fine. Okay, cool. You, okay, um, three years ago, and ten successful title defenses after beating Apollo Creed, with whom he has become great friends, a now wealthy Rocky Balboa is considering retirement. Fame and complacency soon caused Balboa to lose his title to Clubber Lang. Oh, sorry, we're not talking about Rocky Three, right? Uh, We're talking about Team Wolf Two. No, I, no, it's definitely Rocky. It's Rocky Three. It's Except there's no black people. I thought you were reading like a uh, like an IMDb like just like a random person wrote this about Team Wolf Two. Actually, some guy named Tom Baldridge. Oh, I know Tom Baldridge. Oh, you do? Yeah, he's a cocaine addict. <laughs> See, <I've done> that. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. from Harry Potter. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Well, I, I, I mean, we are talking about Team Wolf too, but earlier today, Diallo said this is this is uh, Rocky Three, and I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is Rocky Three. Well, to be clear, he said this is Rocky Three without black people, which is even <laughs> yes. more on point. Yes, because yeah, yes. there, there is 
You take Rocky three and you remove all the black people, which are very pivotal to the story. <laughs> You've got yeah. Teen Wolf two. Yeah, and to, oh, yeah, and to be clear, we're talking about Teen Wolf. Also, it's not Teen Wolf the number two. So right. I think it's important that we say that when we say it, we're like we're doing Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf two, two. not Teen Wolf very, two. It was very clever of them yeah. to do that. It's, it is inc- incredibly clever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, okay. So I'm I apologize for the horrible my attempt at trying to be funny in the beginning of this episode. Um, but before we get into any of this, Dustin, we have to welcome back our great friend, uh, our great brother in arms. We haven't had him on the show in my gosh, since the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, actually, when we were talking about red dawn, red dawn. Wow. But Diallo Jackson is here joining us on $2 late fee. Welcome Diallo. (laughs) I was waiting for the audience. The applause. Yeah. You, you were waiting for the uh, the you fanfare. Have a, you don't I don't have that program. Machine? No, uh, normally I do though. Okay. Well, yeah. Hey. Hey. What's up? It's in the mornings. I've got the. <laughs> 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 All right. This is Dustin Rubin on the morning crew. Hey, Diablo Jackson. Welcome back. The last time you were here, we talked about Red Dawn. You were kind of depressed. We all were. We were really sad. How are you feeling today? Hey! I'm in the same space as I was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. That, no, I don't want to hear that. No. No, no, no. I definitely am not. Okay, uh, good, yeah. Good. Hey, guys. How you doing? It's been a while. Good. It, it, we were talking about a depressing uh, uh, war movie last time, and now we're talking about the... Well, nothing about that at all. Yeah, we were, we were just like... I just remember that episode being like... We were all just like, is this the world now? Right, like we I mean, can't was, see each other. That was March, right? Was it March or? I don't remember. Still? We'll get it wrong. Whatever, we, whatever we say, because we don't understand time. It was really early in but, the pandemic situation. Because it was. It actually. I think you think you're right. It was around. It was the spring for sure when we recorded. It didn't air until uh, a little while later. But I remember being in you, my bedroom. You guys were together. No, you you guys were yeah, right there. Yeah, I went over. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's why I think it was still pretty early because it was. Um, uh, let's we, see. Just just for my edification, it aired in November of 2020. We certainly recorded it before then, but yeah, we we did. Anyway, I remember yeah. this was one of the last times I like saw people until 2021. <laughs> right. Right, I remember feeling like, "Oh man, you guys are together." Yeah, I'm not cheaters. And we did, yeah, and we did it in our bedroom <laughs> all mm. night long. Oh, I, I, I don't think I was, long. I was there for the part of you guys doing it, but no, I, I, must, but I yeah, must have signed my, off. Wow, what a wild time that was! And um, my gosh, we're we're coming up on almost three years later from that day. Mm. Um, uh, uh, yeah, or yeah, yeah, two and some change, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know. And yeah. to have you back is is awesome, Diallo. I'm glad we can talk about Teen Wolf 2 with you. Um, no real connection to Teen Wolf 2 other than just we wanted to have you on the show and, and thought it would be fun to do a uh, a wacky movie like this. Yeah, thank you. I, I actually remember seeing this years and years ago. Oh, cool. On TV, okay. my grandparents. I actually have a distinct memory of watching this movie. Um liked it then <laughs> i i thought it would be a way to sell it i thought it would be funny if we just said that you were the world's foremost expert in team wolf 2 
Oh, I definitely am. I yeah. studied it yeah. extensively. Um, in college, right? Yeah, in college. With your master's a, in it? It's a part of my master's degree of an analysis. It was an analysis right. in literature, but also um, I minored <laughs> minored in Teen Wolf study. <laughs> What's your minor? Teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf 2 studies. I actually yeah. did. I actually do remember writing a paper. I mean, not about Teen Wolf, but I did write a paper about airplane um, in uh, grad okay. school. So that was where that was where I was headed with my education. So and shaft. That was I think that was in the same paper. Ooh, oh, same uh, paper. Yeah. Airplane yeah. and shaft. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did you ever touch upon Teen Wolf? Just the regular, the first Teen Wolf? From 1985? I, you know, I didn't because I don't think there were black people in it. <laughs> <laughs> your thesis was about right, black man. people in cinema, <laughs> so you couldn't do Teen Wolf 2. Well, maybe oh, like, yeah. you know, he's Michael J. Fox is masking who he really wants to be in life. Oh, right. No. Yeah, I, I think actually that paper was about it was about minstrelsy. The the uh, <laughs> it was the uh, tracing minstrelsy from its inception <laughs> to film today. And I included Airplane, Shaft, some of the black exploitation movies um, to kind of try to trace that uh, that whole genre. So, oh wow, yeah, yeah. you're not you're not saying men menstrual. See, Min- to be clear, right? Minstrelsy. Minstrel, 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 yes. Not menstruation. Not, menstru- <laughs> not menstrual cycles of yeah, not film. Menstrual. I see. Minstrelsy. Yes. You know. For everyone listening, what, uh, including myself, what is what is menstrelsy? Uh, you know, it's just like uh, when people, when uh, white folks would put on the blackface and perform and sing. I think Al Jolson was the, uh, I think he was the one that was uh, kind of known, famously known for it. Yeah. Um, you know, very frowned upon, but people still somehow keep doing it and claiming ignorance. But um, I traced the uh, just sort of like the roots of that um, sort of genre. But then I kind of showed the connections that it has to had to cinema in like the 70s and 80s. So, And I didn't use Teen Wolf because there were no black people in it. <laughs> That I mean, that's fair. That would be a, uh, be a weird study to do. Uh, use as an example a movie that didn't have people doing what you were, <laughs> what your yeah. thesis was on. Yeah, but yeah. you you did say you saw it when you were a kid or younger. Yeah, it was actually I I saw it in like the early nineties. I remember. Um, okay. Yeah. So. I How actually wasn't you, aware that it actually was came out in '87. I thought I always thought it was like a '90s movie until now, actually. In a, I I thought it was '89 myself. Yeah. Oh really? If you put me in a closet, and you were like, "Tell me what year Teen Wolf Two came out," and you, or, you can't leave, I'd be like, "Wrong," and then I'd be stuck there. <clears throat> when did you see it? When did you see it, Dustin? Um, I think I saw it when it came out, or shortly after. Good talk. <laughs> that was it. Was that it? Was that stunning? What I said? No, or? I was I was I was dumbfounded. No, um, because I was thinking that I was so excited to see it when it came out, and then I did see it, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, at that time, and I was kind of disappointed, to be honest with you, when the first time I saw it, and I don't think I watched it again until fairly recently, 
uh, when the Blu-rays all came out. They're like these special editions of the Team Wolf 1 and Team Wolf 2. And so I decided to revisit and have a different lens now, I think, in 2022 than I did when I was, uh, you know, 11 years old. or Well, yeah, 87, I was 11. So I think I was expecting something else. Uh, the cartoon had come out already at that point. So I was yeah. like, oh, this is this going to be like the cartoon? Is this going to be like the, which Craig Sheffer was on, by the way? Craig Sheffer was a voice on the huh. Team Wolf cartoon. Um, but then I saw it and then and didn't have like the most fondest feelings about it. But now I watch it and I kind of have a different appreciation um, well, based on yeah. things. What year did the original come out? Is it 84? 85. 85? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. I think it bears explaining why we're not covering the original first, or you know, uh, not to say that we won't ever, but um, but we've we've kind of gone into this mode of thirty fifth anniversary s- celebrations, um, which yeah. you know, kind of caught us off guard. But yeah, Team Wolf Two came out in eighty seven. Um, we've already covered Three O'clock High. You guys should definitely check out that episode. We did a thirty fifth anniversary. Uh, extravaganza with all the all the folks involved, or excuse me, a bunch of the folks involved. Um, and then we also covered the Monster Squad. We had Andre Gower back. That's that's a previous episode as well. Please check out that. And um, and so in order to celebrate the 35th anniversary of, of this movie, we we're like, wow, how, how fun! Um, we have upcoming um, next episode that you'll hear after this one. I think will be um, a 35th anniversary with. Stuart Fracken, who came on our show previously for Ski School, he plays Styles in the in this movie. Um, S.D. Chandler, who plays the love interest, and uh, Mark Holton, Nikki, yeah. who plays Nikki. Thank you, um, and Mark Holton, uh, who plays um, well, he's most well known in Pee Wee's Big Adventure as Francis Buxton, but he plays uh, Chubby in the Team Wolf series. So, and he is the only, not the only returning character to this series uh but for us <laughs> you know he's he's you know he was he was in both movies um so we'll have him as well michael j fox is the original teen wolf everybody knows that jason bateman is the teen wolf too uh and uh i don't even know if you know i wouldn't even be like he wasn't available but i think it's just assumed that he wouldn't be available to talk to us you named a couple of actors but you for, I think you're forgetting Talia Shire and Boner Stabone. Yes, Talia Shire and Boner Stabone. Um, you're, you're spreading misinformation, yeah. Because um, they're not in this movie, despite what other podcasts maybe have said, despite what people might think. People look at Stuart Frack and they go, oh, it's Boner from Growing Pains. It's it's not. They, they do look alike. Um, but they're not the same person. And... Um, well, we can say more about that, I suppose. We can when we talk about the whole cast and whatnot, but you're right. Yeah, Diallo was like, is that who I think that is? I'm like, no, it's not who you think it is. It's this guy. Uh, Stuart has been on our show for ski school, obviously, and coming back, he'll have his own reflections on on his experience on this uh, on this shoot. But, he, yeah, he bears a similar resemblance, I think, at the time to uh, – uh, Mr. Koenig, who played uh, Stabone in the in, in Growing Pains, but I just said Stewart's Stewart's beautiful face just has more features that are more recognizable, <laughs> and that's and that sweet mullet of his in this movie, that's yeah. God glorious sweet mullet that he has 
as styles is, is just fantastic. It is beautiful. It is a, it is a great mullet. Um, do we know why, uh, you know, I need to be careful. I should say, first off, I need to be careful. I, I, I don't want to shit all over Team Wolf 2 today. That isn't the goal. That's never the goal in any of our episodes, to be clear. But it does sometimes lean that way when you start to, you know, break down a movie. I always, you know, I, I always assume that uh, the filmmakers are listening and uh, we appreciate the movie. And obviously we love, you know, we, we, we love this movie. So that's why we're talking about it. But uh, that's but, why you guys bring me in. So because I, I don't have any fear. I will. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm right. <laughs> but yes, no, I mean, it's it's like it, it, you sometimes you can't help it. But even knowing, you know, we, we know uh, having interviews with folks where, about movies that maybe were not the best that, you know, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen a lot of time. Things happen. It's not always the filmmaker's vision. What, what ends up, you know, sometimes the studio's like, that's great, that's airing. You know, we're, we're releasing that tomorrow. And they're like, but I'm still editing it, you know. So we understand yeah. that. And, you know, we're not, uh, we're, we're creative folks. We're, we're sympathetic to that process. Nobody ever sets out to make a bad movie. Like, even if you're setting out to make a bad movie, you're making it bad because you think it'll be entertaining, um, an intentionally bad movie. But nobody sets out to make a clunker. So no. I always try to keep that in mind when you're ripping. On yeah, something. well, of course. But I also I don't I can't think of a lot of good examples of that. The intentionally bad movie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying that there is there like, you know, uh, I wouldn't even say bad, but they uh, they're off, but they're purposefully off. Um, what's that uh, Street Fury, that 80s uh, riff that came out in the last like Kung Fury? Yeah. 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 Where David Hasselhoff appears and stuff. Yeah, Kung yeah. Fury. You know, stuff like that. It's like it's, it's like it's it's like it's mode is to be entertaining by or um, what's this, what's the uh, Black Dynamite? Um, mm, where they, mm. you know, the, the yeah. way they read the lines or the boom mic drops in the, in the frame, they're doing all that stuff because they're trying to evoke something. Sure. Um, so that I was just using those kind of, sure. Example. I get you. But yeah. even, even your big blockbuster, you know, like I, I will rip a movie, but I also know that just like things just don't pop sometimes. And it just, it's uh the creative endeavor is, uh, it's still mysterious yeah. no matter how many classes and, and things you take to to make the right one. I've seen some solid stories that just don't work for whatever reason. Um, so you just never know. Yeah, I think I think you're also thinking of uh, Kung Pao. It, it did the whole send up of the bad dubbing and stuff like that. Yeah, no, those are great examples of like movies that intentionally kind of uh, parodied those those films back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, for people that haven't seen Teen Wolf 2, should we kind of give a little brief synopsis of what the plot is? Because Teen Wolf 1, I think it's it's common, it's pretty easy to say that most fans of 80s movies have probably seen Teen Wolf 1, so they know the premise of that. But can you give a little, like, brief synopsis, Dustin, of what Teen Wolf 2 is about? Yeah, Teen Wolf 2 is Teen Wolf 1 set in college <laughs> with boxing instead of basketball. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is to me. Uh, the movie is almost identical uh, to Teen Wolf 1 in every every beat, every way. Uh, you know, they, yeah. they, they hit the same 
moments, right? You've got the the red eyes that first come out. The you know, give me a keg of beer. I need a new schedule. You know, or whatever. I want a keg of beer. You know, every. I'm I'm not going to go through it. I didn't I didn't list them by any means, but it really is. Yeah. Uh, it really is that. And when you're talking about seeing it for the first time and being underwhelmed, I mean, that was my feeling even at that age when it, you know, it came out in 87, not in 89. Um, uh, having that feeling of like, this is the same thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why. Like we, the, the formula was so good. We just, let's just do it again in uh, a little older. That was kind of, the, I mean, in the 80s and even the 90s that was kind of like the way you did it though you just basically came out with the same movie the same plot and it was more of like a there's a cash grab feel <laughs> to to some of those sequels um well when, isn't jaws 2 like that yeah and they give you a little twist and then yep. with that yeah. yeah it's basically the same thing basically the same thing. a lot of the same beats a lot of the same action sequences they just flip mm-hmm. it a little bit yeah i mean it's it's it was it was a lot more standard um not not as much now but still you still can expect uh um, yeah a little repetition there's a lot of like information that circulates about this movie that basically says that michael j fox did not come back because the main reason being that he didn't the, the makeup, t- you know, the whole prosthetics and and took took too long. But there's no yeah. way that he could do this this movie. Like you couldn't, you wouldn't just have him go to school, go to college, and then have the same bullshit happen to him. Like it just wouldn't it wouldn't work. It makes me wonder though if if he had done a sequel, if it would have been a completely different premise, completely different across the board, right? And I know that this movie, uh, the script was written right before the movie started shooting. Like they finished the script right before they started shooting. So uh, there was like this, you talked about cook, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I think there's a lot of behind the scenes uh, moving that parts that went on that kind of swayed it into, okay, well let's just basically take the same premise and, 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 you know, put it in college. The fans of the original will come see it. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Let's just make a passable film. That's kind of the vibe going into the shoot that I got from some of the like behind the scenes documentaries that are on the uh, Blu-ray. My when so when I was watching it, I was I was kind of getting the impression that um, they had this idea or story ready for Michael J. Fox, like he was going to go to college next, and we were going to follow him there. But then they weren't able to get him for whatever reason. And then Jason Bateman being a new character, they had to do a lot of those scenes that replicated the scenes back in um, the original because he's a brand new character. Whereas I kind of felt like the the overall arc of the story was actually one where he... Like he he didn't either he didn't want to be the wolf anymore because of whatever he's starting at a new school and then um, but then he had to like come back out with it and try to replicate that like a different angle of the original story but because it was a new character they just had to like rewrite it and it became even more like the original if that makes any sense so yeah where like he didn't even know 
yeah that he was a wolf yet yeah 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 so just i think because i, I kind of i was really getting a sense that it was more it was going to be more of scott's going to a new town he gets to start over and a lot of those scenes would have reflected that but they just had to write them differently just because the character was coming from a different place so yeah mm. that sounds fair to me yeah i guess in a way you could compare it to something like revenge of the nerds 2 right where the nerds are nerds in paradise where the nerds are now it's just another set of of revenge it's it, right so it is always always that thing i guess the issue i have is when it comes to and and this is where this is probably about as deep as i can get about it like and i can get pretty deep but like if you think about the world where it's understood right that vamp uh, that werewolves exist right it's it's not it's not really a surprise like in team wolf one we know there's this lore of 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 werewolves and scott happens to be one and then it's like his you know his dad kind of helps him out understand um there are other werewolves but so now he's he's you know and and jason bateman as his cousin understands that his family has this history of werewolf dna although he's like i'm not i'm not a werewolf um but his uncle meanwhile is like just flaunting his werewolfness you know he's just right he's just like driving and the thing so it's kind of unclear like how accepting society is to to werewolves in this particular world because when jason bateman does quote unquote wolf out right there's so much like oh he's a dog but like if if the world knew that werewolves existed would they be as shocked about it i guess is my question you know would there be as much like whoa what's happening if you knew that that people just were werewolves and whether or not they were open about it you know it's it's kind of like are they in the closet as werewolves or are they open like like his uncle um right and then i started thinking about it like and this is i was like well maybe it's like school ties you know where brendan fraser is like <laughs> like he's a jew at this at this catholic school you know and then there and then everyone doesn't know he's a Jew, but then they find out he's a Jew and then his relationship changed with everybody. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And Matt Damon's terrible. Um, you know, and, or just right. Even like today, like today's, today's contemporary views on, on other, uh, which are not very different. So I don't know. I throw it to you guys. Like, (laughs) what do you think about that? I, it was, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, ultimately, it just comes down to it wasn't very well, like, thought out. Um, <laughs> so I don't, you know, don't want to, like, analyze it too much. It's, I, 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 sometimes when I talk about film and stuff, I, I, I talk about it from outside of the text rather than from within. So I don't spend a lot of time trying to try to make what they think makes sense. I sort of, like, look at it from, like putting it together from the outside as like a writer or director or something like that. So it just was like, it, it didn't track from the first movie basically. So that journey that we went through in the first movie, like we saw how the werewolf was celebrated. Right. And, um, through his personal journey, he reverted back to human and they didn't like that. He wanted to do that, but he had to prove something to himself, right? So we, the viewer, already have this relationship with thinking werewolves are 
pretty awesome in the world, actually, at least that town or whatever that thinks they're awesome. And we entered this movie, and at first, I think people did think that they were cool because, like, dad's just turning into a werewolf, and people are like, oh, look it, look it. But then when Jason Bateman turns into a werewolf, then all of a sudden it gets really weird. And... Well, I think, I think that has more to do with the makeup then because um... – because his makeup does make him look a little more weird. <laughs> he had that Especially weird nose. He had that weird goatee on his nose or something. Did you yeah, notice that? Yeah. So maybe that's what people thought. That's why he looked like a dog because he looked different than, you know, James Hampton's character, his uncle, uh, who looked more trid- well. The original makeup from the original movie. Because this makeup, I I'm probably assuming was supposed to look cooler, but I think it actually kind of makes him. Yeah, it does make him a little more. I, do we know if it's the same makeup team? That would be interesting. That's a really good question. Because you're right. Makeup- you know, like a director vision could definitely influence. Like, oh, I want it to be more like this, but uh, looks completely different than Michael J. Fox's Team Wolf. So, really quick, really quick, the makeup department for Team Wolf One special makeup effects, Tom Berman, right? Okay. Take, and taking team notes. Wolf two. Wolf makeup, John Logan. John Logan, okay. And Mike Smithson. Different wolf team. Yeah, different wolf team, which makes sense, right? Yep. Changing up uh, the the Spider-Man suit and suddenly, like, people not thinking it's as cool. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I I think I I agree with you, Diallo, that that it wasn't that well thought out on that level. Um, But, you know, there's pieces in there that are already established from the first one that carry over. For example, Styles, played by Stuart Fracken in this one. And he's ready to go with all his merch. He's ready to go with all his stuff to to sell the wolf. So the wolf is known. It's it's popular. The school loves it. Uh, Obviously, Chubby knows what a wolf can do. Uh, His coach, which is a different actor, by the way. The actor who is the coach in the original one was replaced in this one. Um, but Oh, was it? Actor, I got fooled yeah. then. Yeah, so I in, got in, fooled. The original, in the original Team Wolf, it's uh, an actor named Jay Tarsus. Because Jay Tarsus is, is the best part of Team Wolf. I agree. I agree. But uh, in this one, it's played by Paul Sand, who's a little goofier. Uh, and like a little kind of dumbfounded a lot. Paul Sand is a like really legendary character actor as, as well. He was in a movie uh, in the 70s called The Hot Rock, which I highly recommend. A really cool like heist caper film with um, Robert Redford and George Seagal. Uh, go check that out if you've never seen wow, it. They, fo- they fooled me. Yeah, Paul Sand. Wow. But I mean, they look very similar. They look very similar. Who, uh, who could Jason Bateman's doppelganger be? Uh, and everyone listening, who do you think would be a good doppelganger for Jason Bateman? Send, let us know uh, via you know, all the ways you can message us. But I really want to point out really quickly like how phenomenal the older cast is for this movie. Like This might be considered a B movie by many people. It, it's it, you know the lesser sequel of Teen Wolf, but the cast they have for this film is really fantastic. Yeah. Right. Like, um, John Aston who plays, 
I wouldn't call him the villain per se, but he's the dean of the school. He's he's, he's about he's, as villain as you could get. We know him as Herman Munster. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he's a little light in the loafers uh, to play Herman Munster, right? But um, I mean, I, I I love I love John Aston as Doctor Gangrene from Return of the Killer Tomatoes. But uh, oh yeah, a, yeah, and and isn't he uh, Sean Aston's? Um, Dad? Hmm. I think it's like stepdad. It's not dad, but it's like oh no, adoptive father. Yeah, that's why I was right the first time. It's his adoptive father. DNA testing yeah. proved that his biological father was Michael Tell, to whom Duke was shortly married to before the marriage was annulled. Oh, scandal. All right. We have to get John Aston on the uh on the on the show. He's on still the, alive. On the horn. Well, now you fucked him, Zach. Thanks. Good work. <laughs> Shit. Good work. We're, it's we're like you just the, forget how you do this. We're going to get the... I do. I do all the You just tomorrow. exclaim, he's still alive. Uh, he, he is, out loud. And I, I know people know him as for, for the Addams Family and, and so many other like classic TV shows, but goddamn, if you've never seen Return... Uh, a, if you've never seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon from the 90s, it is fantastic. It is so entertaining. Good save. And he's Good so save. funny on the show. You know, when he showed up in this, it, it definitely gave it gave the uh, movie a, a sense of more credibility. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, he, he has... This is interesting, though, because and, and we'll get to Kim Darby in a second, too, because she's another legendary actor, in my opinion. But um, John Aston had done a lot of. You know, when you did when you did straight to video movies or quote unquote B movies in the late in the 80s or the 90s, you got labeled as, oh, you've really, you know, sunken in your career mm-hmm. nowadays, every actor does a television commercial does a straight to netflix straight to streaming show and and no one bats an eye at it right um yeah bruce willis does a does 20 movies on uh netflix or or amazon and no one cares you know before he retired obviously if he was to do another big major blockbuster they'd be like bruce willis is in this cool but back in the 80s and 90s if you did that commercial or you took a nosedive doing them, you know, return of the killer tomatoes. People go, Oh God, I can't see that guy anymore. I can't watch him on TV anymore. I can't watch him in a mainstream movie, mm-hmm. which is lame because John Aston's a really good actor and he's really entertaining in this. And he has like a charisma. I, 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 yeah, he is the villain, but there's moments where I'm like, yeah, but if he turned on a dime and became a good guy, I would have believed that too. You would have believed that too. Because he's such a good actor. Oh, I see. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's such a like. Like, he can be yes. likable and hateable at the same time, in my opinion. Yes, I see what you mean. Picking up what I'm putting down. M G. But right, right, Dustin. Am I am I off base there saying that there was that time in the 80s and 90s when you got labeled as like, oh wow, you're doing that now? Yeah. Well, I think it's no different than what many of our guests have said about, you know, just even doing episodic television. You know, there was the people were not in it, in it for that. And you had the two schools of thought as far as actors go, right? It was like, you're, you're, you're a New York actor. You're part of the theater. You don't do, 
you don't do the Hollywood system. And if you are going to do the Hollywood system, you're only going to do film um, with, you know, reputable yeah. directors. And then, yeah, you're not going to do, you know, made for TV. I mean, look at all the money now. Like, it's like the how much money is in like Lifetime movies, um, you know, Hallmark, right? Everyone does a Hallmark movie. Um, yeah. I watch the Christmas movies every year and I'm, I'm astonished who's in them. It used to be like just random people. And now you're like, Oh no, like they have, they have money to get, to get people. Um, so yeah. So I, I no, you're not wrong at all. I mean, that's, that was, that was the thing. Nobody would do that stuff. And, uh, and straight to video was kiss of death. Yeah. Right. But, but now it's totally changed. But, um, uh, I think about Kim Darby also being in this and obviously Kim Darby, we love from better off dead. But she has been in so many other movies. It's got raisins um, in it. You like raisins. <laughs> I mean, she she's her career her career started in the in the late sixties, early seventies. She's been around a long time. Yeah. And and when she pops up on screen, I'm just like comforted, going, "Oh, she's such a good actor, right?" Yeah, she's great. But then the backstory, really quickly, she was married to one of the producers of this movie. And she even says that she like kind of stifled her performance because she felt self-conscious because her husband was on set all the time and she felt nervous around him. Mm -hmm. So you're not giving a full performance. If you're feeling that way on set, you know, people have, I I think she's fine in in the film. I think she's super likable and one of the highlights of the movie, but she said that her performance was not a, She's not super confident about it because of that. It's yeah. funny you say that because I actually, I mean, I didn't know who she was, but I didn't text this to you guys, but I was like, okay, she's either a wolf or they're going to make out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> she was I, I very like subdued all the time, and it was almost like she was uh, in a dream state when she was talking to him. And so the the fact that you actually said that actually like totally tracks because I yeah. literally was seeing that on camera. Hmm. That is interesting. I, you know, not to spoil anything, but the fact that she has a tail really bothers me. <laughs> I, you know, cause it, it just takes a moment and makes it super goofy at the end where she does this little sachet with her tail poking out under her skirt. And then she looks back like, <laughs> and I understand the intention, yeah. but it like, it ruins the entire moment for me. Sorry. It's more, fox. Too. It was more foxy too. Than- <clears throat> yeah. It's a fox tail. Fox it's fox. not a wolf tail. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't, again, I think it didn't feel thought out. Right. Um, like Jeff Loeb originally wrote the uh, screenplay for the first Team Wolf. And wow, Diallo- that's crazy. Yep. I didn't know that. Same with Commando, too, actually. Hmm. Um, who is Jeff Loeb, Diallo? Jeff Loeb is, I know him mostly as a comic book writer. He wrote, um, probably his best work is uh, The Long Halloween. Um, best known work, I should say, is The Long Halloween. Um, it's Batman story. Um, he did, I think he, I think, I mean, he wrote on like heroes. I think he was running the Mar, uh, the Netflix, uh, Marvel shows for a while. Um, he wrote this 
sort of interesting um, arc for Batman. Jim Lee was doing the art called Hush. Um, yeah, he's done quite. I mean, he's extensive, long. Extensive so, so you have no idea who he is. That's that's too no, bad. No idea. <laughs> yeah, you name well, like well, seven specific things, extremely <laughs> specifically. But, no, but but Diallo, you did bring up a good point because him working on Heroes because the guy that wrote this screenplay, yes. Tim Kring, yeah, also. Oh, this is like, Tim Kring wrote this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. God. Wait, what's your what's your familiarity with Tim Kring? Well, Tim Kring. You know, for anyone that watched Heroes, right, the, the first season was was great. And then the second season, all the sort of rules that he established for the world of Heroes were completely erased. And he it's the only time that I know of where a showrunner has made a public apology for an entire season of a show. And he did that. He was like, I'm sorry, guys, I messed up. But I didn't stick around after that. So I was like, this is terrible. Well, nothing matters. There's kind of your. And I did not answer. realize that he wrote this. Wow. Yeah, he wrote <laughs> this. And, but he's buddies with. It's, this is interesting. He's buddies with Jeff Loeb. That, Jeff Loeb is buddies with uh, Jesse Alexander, who is a part of uh, Heroes and Alias. And uh, Jesse Alexander is good buddies with. Uh, jj abrams so they're all like in this little group right and they make these projects together and they're buddies and no one's going to get fired or replaced if i don't know i'm speculating obviously but um always good he wrote this he wrote the screenplay for this and it totally makes sense right you take the established characters and then suddenly (laughs) everything's changed so uh and the director of this has done a lot of shows and projects and whatnot um but, you know, and, and I wouldn't necessarily criticize the, the directing style. We're not here to talk about all that stuff. That's for podcasting after dark. But um, uh, I would I would pay. Well, no, I wouldn't pay you guys to break this down. Um, it wouldn't be hard to do. It wouldn't be hard. <laughs> yeah, to do. but because but I feel like it would be a lot of like speculation about like why decisions were made, you know, like badly. Well, the, in like a way the, that wouldn't the, be like, oh, sorry, guys. This comes back to your comment about uh, Kim Darby's character with the foxtail at the end, Professor Brooks, because that feels like they just threw that in there and there's no real explanation for it. But there easily could have been right there easily could have been something that you throw in there, um, which would kind of tie it all together, even if it is hokey at the end. Um, I, well, right, I was going to blame it on budget, um, but I just looked it up real quick. <laughs> And that wasn't the reason. <laughs> oh, so you know the reason why there was a tail? I just, I thought, I thought, I, my, in my head, I thought Teen Wolf had a much, Teen Wolf 2, Teen Wolf also, had uh, a <laughs> I much. I love that you guys, you two grammar I, awesome I, I thought it had a much lower budget, and it was just kind of like, let's crank this out, and let's get her done, and we can, we can cash checks that's what i thought it was um and that's also why i thought the makeup was less uh, like looked different but i just look at just a quick look and you know wikipedia can tell you anything but um it says for team wolf also the budget was three million but for the first team wolf it was 1.8 whoa yeah yeah the first team wolf is considered more of like a not indie but yeah it is actually more of an independent 
production because mm-hmm. it, I don't think it had a big studio behind it. Mm-hmm. It didn't? No, no, it did not. And this did not either. This was like Atlantic Pictures. Um, uh, Atlantic Entertainment Group is, is hmm. who put this out. And I think they're the ones who put out the last one, same, too. Yeah, same production company. Yeah, same sure. production company. Um, and so... Which is interesting, right? That, that that company and that and so one of the big guys at the Atlantic Entertainment Group uh, was the one who was married to Kim Darby. Okay, interesting. And and who was the distributor that you, you that it was them this as well? Yeah, Atlantic Releasing Corporation. Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I remember seeing, when I saw this as a kid, I think I saw it on video when it came out. So it probably wasn't 87. It might have been 88 when I saw it. Um, that logo would come up, and I'm like, oh, that's not the Paramount logo. Oh, that's not TriStar. <laughs> oh, that's not Warner Brothers. Oh, that I don't know that one. Mm. You know, Fry's Entertainment Group. I'm like, wait, what's Fry's Entertainment Group? <laughs> you know, <laughs> This company had been putting out movies th- since the 70s, but they did Night of the Comet. They did He-Man and She-Ra, The Secret of the Sword, um, Star Chaser, The Legend of Orin, which I is a personal favorite of mine, Extremities, uh, Nomads, Modern Girls, uh, The Smurfs, and The Magic Flute. All right. So most of, like these, most of these most of these movies, the movies, I feel like you, you mentioned a lot of animation. Yeah, but 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 um oh the Garbage Pale Kids movie. Oh um, wow. Home Smurfs. is where the heart is, which is actually one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Smurfs of the Magic Flute was actually a pretty big. Uh, I mean, it, it had a pretty big push at the yeah, time. Yeah, right? it did. I feel like a lot of these are like studio distributions. So. But it's but but they're not like when I think of the '80s and I think about like if it didn't have Universal on it or Warner Brothers or Disney or. Mm-hmm. TriStar, then I thought it would, I, my mind didn't go indie, but my mind was like, oh, this is a straight to video kind of company. Yeah. Well, actually, so a lot of those movies did come I out. I mean, it probably is indie. You're probably right. I've just never really thought about it like that way as, as far as Team Wolf was concerned. But so I think, I mean, I think part of why we're thinking in those terms is because Michael J. Fox was like, you know, he was an A actor for so long. But if you kind of think about it, he probably shot this either before or right after Back to the Future, which he only was in Back to the Future. He wasn't even the like the original choice for that movie. So it after the mo- after Back to the Future was released and it was a hit that solidified his stature, but I can see him before that movie being released getting shooting Teen Wolf and nobody really knew he was gonna be like the A lister that he became after Back to the Future came, which is why it makes sense that he would have been in this like low budget, uh, kind of one off Teen Wolf movie that yeah. ended, and it just kind of that ended up popping also so yeah i mean i'll give you that um it, it looks like atlantic entertainment group did not uh survive much past this film um no it was no. gone by 89 so. 88 they might have made it through 88 um so really quick because we have sd obviously mark holton carried over from the original movie plays chubby 
but Mark Holton's had a had up until that point a big career, you know. So him playing Chubby after playing Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and then he comes back to this and like, oh wait, but that's the guy from Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Francis, Francis. yeah, right. Um, but SD Chandler and Stuart Fracken, this was their first uh, feature films that they did. And they can talk about how they got cast because it's a little shady. <laughs> oh, yeah? Ooh. Yeah, I'm not going to say more. Good. I'll let them tell the story. Jerry Levine is Styles. When people think of Styles, they think of that T-shirt. What, what are you looking at? Dick Nose. And that, that, that iconic look with him in the sunglasses going like, hey, right? But then Stuart Fracken comes into this with like a different take on styles, his own take on styles. Like he purposely did not want to imitate or do the same performance that that Jerry Levine did in the original. It's it's really interesting uh, that Jason Bateman has also gone on record and said that he didn't watch the original Team Wolf and still hasn't to this day because he didn't want to emulate anything. Really? <laughs> That Michael J. Fox was doing. That's yes. interesting. Um, okay. As funny as that, as funny as that is, um, that is funny. But uh, can I just share with you guys like a, a big, a big pet peeve that I have about this movie? Yeah, of course. Um, this is a little random. Soundtrack? This is a little random. Not what? at the soundtrack. Not yet. We're not there yet. Um, so Jason Bateman's character is studying to be a veterinarian and <laughs> yeah. literally no one in this movie pronounces it that way they all say veterinarian and it <laughs> makes me fucking crazy it's that's not how, how I, you pronounce it i've actually that's, that's you're right you're right i think i always hear it a veterinarian actually right but that's not that's not that's not correct and if you meet no, you're right if you meet a vet they're not going to be i'm a veterinarian and so you have people being like, what about being a veterinarian, Todd? Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, it just no, fucking that's, makes me bananas. Look, I, Dustin, you know how I feel about um, lazy speak. It, it comes, it's kind of uh, connected to coming from Michigan and certain family members talking with like dropping vowels or yeah, consonants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when people say, you remember when we did that thing? And I'm like, you remember when we did that thing? You mean you remember? Can we do, or instead of saying something, you say something? Yeah. Something. Something. Where the fuck is the F in something, right? <laughs> so I totally feel you on that. It that I didn't pick up on it until you just said it now, but that makes sense that they, you know, they're mispronouncing it. Like, come on. Right. You don't even know what it's called. Why do you want to be that? But that's kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. That's where we are anyway in society. <laughs> well, back in 1987, yeah. it's, it hasn't changed since, yep. right? But well, I, I think the strength of a good Teen Wolf story, like the secret <laughs> ingredient. Let's talk about this right now. Okay. I think the secret ingredient <laughs> for every iteration of Teen Wolf is styles. And yes, whether it's the original actor or it was the cartoon character version of styles um, in the teen wolf uh, series remake. That was in the last 10 years. Um, I thought it was terrible, but there was one actor in there, Dylan O'Brien who just shined. And I was like, this guy 
is actually a really good actor and he has turned out to be one he played styles he should have been cast as uh as a teen wolf actually but anyways i digress this particular movie i don't think our dude had much to do and i think that was the problem and i think it was like from a script level he it just kind of like let's put him over here as a cheerleader <laughs> you know well, let's he got he got this, uh he got pulled back from improvising mm, on purpose okay and like he was in, he was he's like you guys hired me to improv and now mm-hmm. you're telling me not to improv yeah he just didn't have a he didn't have a lot to do and i you see that sometimes and i see that sometimes in shows and it's like it, again it just felt like the whole movie just didn't they, like you said, I think they just finished the script and they were kind of making it up as they went along. And he just kind of was like standing in the background a lot of times and he didn't get a chance to actually be the dynamic character that Styles is. And Styles is the one that kind of like instigates everything. Um, that and, is true. You know, totally. That piece wasn't there for, um, for this particular That movie. is true. And you would also think that Michael J. Fox's character, Scott, would absolutely contact his cousin and say, hey, my best friend Styles and my other friend Chubby are also going to be going to Hamilton University. Yeah. Uh, with you. Um, so it wouldn't be a surprise that Styles is his roommate, like this weird coincidence. I don't even know why they why wouldn't they just own it? Like, yeah, like I'm gonna be rooming with Styles. Oh, I don't really know him. Oh, he's interesting. Right? Could why did it have to be like why was everyone surprised that Styles was his roommate. Mm-hmm. And how did Styles do that? And how did Styles change his schedule? And how does that... you you could have you could have easily had one quick line in there where where um, Uncle Howard, played by James Hampton, rest in peace by the way, and I love James Hampton, uh, great actor, where he would just said, Styles, I thought you were going, I thought you dropped out of college or something like that, or I thought you were selling, um, mer- I thought yeah. you moved to New York to be a designer, whatever, you know. Yeah, yep. he was just kind of like, oh, Styles. Yeah. And then right. just kind of moved along. Styles, what are you doing here? And how long have you been here that you've destroyed the entire room, the dorm room? Um, yeah, it could have been it could have been a conversation in the van on the ride there. Yeah. Like, hey, so you're rooming with, who, you know, who's your roommate? Oh, this Styles. What? Yeah, whatever. I got bad news for you. Yeah. Or I got, oh, uh, what? Prepare yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and you, made, you guys made me think of this too, because you talked about, how like basically this is the original one set in a college is um sd chandler's character nikki nikki a lot of doilies a lot of doilies in all of her clothes a lot of doilies oh man there's one scene where she's wearing very fashionable 80s clothes Mm -hmm. and i'm like she looks great right i love the outfit and it and it's like a it's a it's like a 10 second scene unfortunately is she supposed to be boof is she the boof of this movie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. Because because he even looks at her as a friend and like realizes, doofus, she's su- super making moves on him, and he's like, oh yeah, you want to? Oh, you want to date me? Right, right. Like he asks her out, she thinks it's a date, and he's like, let's study. Yeah. But then it is something more. You know, she's very patient with him as a character. She's very she's, patient. You know, he's a that's jerk off. because she loves him. But she's he's a total ass, and she's like, I made you a picnic. You're just like, oh, man. I know, written by a man. Yeah, you, you, you deserve better. <laughs> she does deserve better. <laughs> you do. Um, 
I just want to point out the uh, styles in the animated 80s series was played by Don Most. Oh, days. fun. Oh, yeah. But I think I, I think I knew that. Who yeah. plays Scott? From the from the animated yeah. series? Uh, an actor named Townsend Coleman. Oh, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Townsend Coleman, and many other yeah. things. Yeah. Did you guys have him on, too? No. 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 Townsend Coleman's great. Uh, and then, but James Hampton, James Hampton reprised his role on the television cartoon as his as that's, Harold that's Howard. That's great. I used to love yeah, that and, cartoon. And then uh, Craig Sheffer, like I said, played Nick, the antagonist. Sounds about right. Should we talk a little bit about the soundtrack? Because there's some controversy about it. You want to talk about the soundtrack? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're here to do. Oh, actually, can I pull back one uh, quick thing? We were almost home free. The <laughs> actor who plays... Um, uh, oh, sunglasses. Gust, Gust. Yeah. With the sunglasses. Played by Robert Neary. So if you look up this guy's IMDb, I mean, he looks like a badass. Did you, He's aged well. Did you look at his uh, sexy photos? Uh, he that's not even a, that's not even a joke. He has a sex yeah. Appearance. Like it's a right, yeah. is it right? Was they were they right next to Zac Efron's pictures? They they were. Yeah. And guys, guys, it, yeah. Side note: Zac Efron's trained for a wrestling movie right now, and he's a piece of work. The sound of male boners. <laughs> Big <laughs> male boners to bones. Anyways, well, my mom, my mom used to say to me when I was younger, she's like, she's like, you're gonna be a handsome older man. And I'm like, does that mean I'm not handsome oh, yeah. now? Oh, poor Zach. Moms say the best things. The best. Hey, but no, I don't mean that. Hey, hey, but mom, mama didn't lie, though. Yeah, mama, oh, mama was oh. planting the seeds. Yeah. <laughs> but, but guys, if you look up Robert Neary now, I mean, like. Yeah, but wait, 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 I want the other one. Show me the other one where he's like, he's got no shirt and his like pants are like half down. Yeah, that's the one. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, there's another no, one. There's another one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh? There we go. International this, mail this catalog. This pose at the ocean. Audience, you can't well, well maybe we'll share I'm trying that. Trying to get ripped like that though. Go, go to yeah. our go to God our, bless him. Seriously. The only way I'm HGH baby. <laughs> go to our Instagram page. We'll uh we'll perf- we'll post some like before and afters from Team Wolf 2 because I mean, they're the uh, one of the big things about this movie is like the style, the fashion. Uh, he has terrible fashion that they, what they put Gus in. He looks ter- He does not look cool at all. No, he looks like super old to me too. Like he's not a college, yes. you know, and I actually, I w- cause I'm watching this and I'm going, how old is this guy for real? Like how old is, and he was, he was like 22 or something. Like he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't old by any means but he looks to be about 40 and i'm like did they just cast a 40 year old guy he's wearing aviators like the entire movie even when he gets in the ring he's like putting he's got his sunglasses on now put him back on put those sunglasses was, back on that ice guy man he's ice man <laughs> anyways i had to throw that out there because it was you know important to note yeah yeah and then like the the love interest i feel like the other sort of female leads are not particularly uh notable they didn't go on to do anything else and no but yeah. but one of them has that long butt uh bathing suit on and i'm like that was that was a thing for a while like, long butt. <laughs> it's true. definitely that was a, a the 80s cut still goes in the uh miss america pageants when jason bateman's character is now like 
being a dick because he's got the wolf ego. He's got that, yeah, that that's big what wolf happens. energy, right? You get the wolf ego. And, and uh, Styles goes to his dorm room and knocks on the door, but the door's not even like, it's not even locked. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's trying to hold it yeah. back. Because it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh man, God yeah. bless you yeah. for carrying on with that scene. So. Right, he had to act. Didn't do a take two. He had to act yeah, like wolf. it was. Yeah, yeah. The wolf makes you like not care about consent. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, animal. Well, this movie's less rapey than Teen Wolf One. Teen Wolf One is a little more on the the rapier tip. Mm, it comes to yeah. like team, you know. On the rapey ranking, it's true. It is <laughs> right. I was just thinking about Wonder Woman eighty four, which is actually really high on the rapey ranking actually oh really yeah very high yeah really but not not in the way you think it's because is it the, the flip with chris pine yeah it's because like she's like chris pines in some other dude's body and she, right the she, entire movie what a weird movie. device yeah. and it's like and it's like from her perspective she actually doesn't see chris pine i think she sees the other guy i believe yeah so that makes it I, even creepier I just realized something, Diallo. You can, and, and Dustin, you might get this too. It's trancers. Wonder Woman yeah. eighty four is trancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely. fucking trancers. It's where it's so bad. I ha- I hated Wonder Woman eighty four with every ounce of my being. It was not good. No, you know, I was. Uh, I um, speaking speaking of sequels, that maybe maybe that's why you need to follow the formula of the first movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I like the first Wonder Woman; it's really good. It was it's great. Cool. Yeah, Greek mythology a, and all that stuff. Yeah, the second one was I don't know. It's, it's not a bad I point. I wa- wanted to be a fly on the wall when she was writing that screenplay. I really wanted to just be there and see, like, which, right? Like, yes, nailed this one. Because it's it's the most like afterthought, afterthought, putting the 1984 in there. Yeah, I was like, it's why like, why did you do this? Yeah, we're not even gonna really focus on fashion or you know, but not a single eighties song in that movie. Like Yeah. No, that was that if Oh man, anyway. It would have got anyway. so many more points on my end if they were in the mall and they played eighties music in the mall. Anything just you would like, have been like, just like just like Stranger <laughs> Things season three. Just like Stranger <laughs> Things season three. Pretty much. Um, pretty much. So yeah, I see the transfers. You know what else aspect? happened in the eighties? Teen Wolf. Two. Well, Team Wolf 2's soundtrack, soundtrack, speaking of music, um, well, it's debatable whether it's any good or not, but Dustin, I just realized something. So Oingo Boingo has a song on the soundtrack for Teen Wolf 2 have a couple. in 87. They also had a song on the soundtrack for Summer School, which also came out in 87. Mm. And both songs are not memorable. Would you agree? I would, being that we covered summer school, and I don't remember talking about Oingo Boingo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this song, this movie has a '50s song or '60s song featured in it. Do you love me? Oh, that was in God. They used that one in um, Dirty Dancing, right? Was that in Dirty yes, Dancing? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I mean. I'm I'm so over the 50s thing in 80s movies. Like, I know that that we've talked about it before. How like that generation making those movies? Obviously, that was their nostalgic period, so they're putting it in. Just like we're putting tons of 80s stuff in now and early 90s things. But I do appreciate the choreographed dance scene in this, um, even though 90% of it is not uh, 
Jason Bateman. In fact, many of the scenes when he's wearing the wolf outfit, it's not Jason Bateman throughout this movie, yeah. like in the boxing scenes and whatnot. Um, but the the song is not very good. I, we were joking before we even recorded this, like what song are we going to choose for this movie? What's the good, what's the song that we should highlight for this film? Um, and I said, well, there, why don't we kind of d- deep dive into the soundtrack and figure out what, <laughs> which one it is. And Dustin's like, no, there is no other choice other than the one song that we'll talk about in a second. And I agree. I agree. I'm not going to, this that. is how bad the music is in this movie. Like during the scene where he's dancing at the little welcome ball or whatever you want to call it with, yeah, the, the, with the tuba, the mixer, there's just like a repetitive, like royalty free track or something that just repeats for like <laughs> to- forever. And it doesn't serve any purpose. And and that's an opportunity where, you know, he's about to, he's, he's turns into, he wolfs out for the first time. And you could, you could really use music to support that. And I feel like it, it, it dropped the ball and it, and it, you know, and then I was like, okay, I'm getting in my like weird angry place about movies and I don't want to be there. So I'm like, focus on the good stuff. What do you like? What do you like? But, but it was like the music just kept going and the song just kept going. And I was like, I, this, this, this needs to stop. They could have had a house band doing like cheesy music. Yeah, right. They could have got Jack Mac and the, and the heart attack. Come on. I will love he, that. He was, they were available. They were, um, but they didn't. Yeah. I mean, I was actually a little partial to one of the songs actually. What? Which that, song that wasn't that wasn't the the song. Um, okay, the song. Okay, the song that we didn't talk about, but I the one I'm we haven't talked about it yet. It's the one I I'm assuming we're going to talk about. I knew that. I mean that that's like a quintessential '80s song for me, and so I I had no idea it was even in this movie. But, I mean, it's. I don't know why we're talking about it like it's secret. It's it's clearly on all of our documentation at this point. We've yeah. we've we've we've, we've, announced, <laughs> we've oh, announced. I just like we're gonna. I didn't know we we're gonna. No, no, no. I I, I just mean like when Zach was starting, is like we we're talking about the song, but yeah. but but there's no point in you know even being secretive about it because there yeah, is only one song. Send send me an angel, yeah. by real life, which yeah, we covered in rad. Not yeah. to cut you off, not to cut you off, but I just wanna let's let's let's. You know, let's name it. Send me an angel. Send me an angel. Right now. Right now. Send me an angel. Anyways, uh, All right. please continue. Party, party lights. <laughs> it was, I was listening to the party uh, lights. Yeah. So when the, when the movie was. I don't even know if it was actually in the movie. I was just, it might've just been on the soundtrack. <laughs> or I was looking at all the songs listed. And it is, it's in the movie. Yeah, it was in the movie. Yeah, and then I By like, I, and then, yeah, yeah, and then I was like, Alexa, play it. And I had, to, I had her play all these songs. And um, I thought, I thought it was actually kind of interesting, but I'm going to get a little racial. Um, it was the only song 
that felt like it was sung by contemporary black people. And yes, um, and I think that's why I liked it. I think I think some of these songs are um, relatively unknown artists, or totally unknown artists. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. This isn't a ten-song soundtrack movie, right? The snippets of the f- songs are are just in there for like maybe ten seconds, fifteen seconds, and then there's a lot of uh, one of the 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 faults of this movie. And, and uh, Dustin and I have talked about this with other movies. It's like if you just drop out the soundtrack altogether, which there are times in this movie where there's like no music whatsoever and just feels a little empty you're yeah. like oh what's going on and it makes makes the scene kind of feel like it's dragging a little bit um but when they go in with send me an angel by real life they play almost like the full song because <laughs> it's a total banger it's a banger it's a banger so that song came out in 1983 so it had been out for a long time it's it's like now, I don't know, like featuring a. If you throw a song from five years ago in a movie now, people will be like, "Why are you putting that song in there now?" Right? Uh, I just you met you. This is crazy. What? Well, <laughs> Call well, me maybe. But it's like twenty twenty two. Like, is it? That's not enough time to get nostalgic. I guess is what I'm saying. Five years. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Right. Like, not enough time has gone. Or or four years. Yeah. Yeah, but but it's is it that strong of a song? Do you guys agree it's that strong of a song that it can have that not unnostalgic period and still be like, oh shit, this is a great song. So I have questions though. When it was out in '83, did it? How hard did it chart? Because I actually really only know it from '89. Tbh. Uh, well, it was in the top thirty in okay. in '84, so it it got released in in uh, in Australia. I guess in 83. Okay. And then it didn't really hit the States until 1984 mm-hmm. where it hit number 29. Like, I don't know how long it stayed there on the charts, but it, it was in the top. Mm-hmm. No. And they did a remix of it or something in 89, right? Yeah. Interestingly, the 89 version that was featured in the movie, the wizard that, that Fred Savage movie. That was the one that I know. It just it, it felt like that was on the radio all the time. Because I mean that does happen sometimes. There's like you know like I, I didn't know it was from overseas. Uh, I mean I actually did know it was from overseas, but um, you know that that song how bizarre. Um, oh no! Oh no! That, but I mean that was that came out like a decade before, and it just took forever to get over here. And I think that song by the Proclaimers, uh, Five Hundred Miles. Yes. I think that was another one that just took forever to to pop here. So, I mean, that does happen. And I just, I'm yeah. only bringing that up just to be like, maybe there wasn't the, it wasn't about a nostalgia factor. It was just like, you know, Oh, here's a song we can use. And, uh, just like, yeah, um, was... like trying to get up that hill. Right. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody, that hill. nobody heard that song until this year. <laughs> when you did not watch stranger things, right? 
not this last season. right okay so so even just how that how that song was used it was running up that hill was like arguably overused in every way because the song itself was a device it was a character basically. yeah yeah the song itself yeah. became this device to sort of keep evil away so it was like that was really unusual i feel like you know where the song breaks the fourth wall and becomes this yeah like as i said it really was a character so it was hard to miss you couldn't well, miss I, it i feel like this song was hard to miss well i mean rad rad was not a like huge success right when it first came out we talked about this obviously when rad came out um if you've never if you have not listened to our interview with our good buddy sam bernard he talks to go back and listen to that one, first of all. Um, but you know, rad came out in 1986 and featured send me an angel in a very extended scene. One of the more mm-hmm. well-known scenes from that movie. And then only a year later it's put in this. I have no problem with it at all. It's just interesting to me that it gets used again in a relatively well-known film, you know, for its time. Um, I don't know that, that, that I haven't seen that before, I think with, with another song in a movie. Uh, Oh, so the, the music challenge is a song that's on two soundtracks within five years. Yes. Or is that relevant to it? I mean, I, I mean, it's like, it's on the tip of my brain, but I know it's happened more than I can actually I'm sorry it's like I can kind of think of somewhere I know that that's happened but I'm not I'm not sure about when the movie came out versus when they were put in the movie yeah if that makes sense yeah. so like yeah no you know but a, yeah. I do I do have a sense of it I couldn't tell you something's telling me like mid 90s might happen hmm I don't I I don't know um well I you know I I so the only other thing that comes to my mind right now is Rocky three and Rocky four, both using eye of the tiger. Mm-hmm. And also just, I want to say a quick, just because it happened once or twice doesn't invalidate what you said. Cause those are, that would just be like, they there really are exceptions to the rule, which is, like, I'm just saying it's rare. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 Out, of a, out of a thousand times, just cause it happened twice. doesn't mean that's, the way they roll so you're you're definitely right there so interesting though isn't it that 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 song because it gets it makes sense in the context of this movie it makes sense sd chandler's character nikki she's the she is the angel that's basically saving um yeah yeah for no reason no because she loves him she loves him you know she's saves Todd's life basically uh his career as a veterinarian thank you I, I just I noticed the uh the like the music supervisor or something I just saw it listed in the in the credits it got me thinking about like maybe they had like a budget fifty thousand dollars and he was like all right we can we can get these oingo boingo songs and uh I used all of my money for uh for send me an angel then let's just get this do you love me song because that one's kind of cheap well you know what's even funny about that is like is like they we have send me an angel and then we use it in like a studying montage 
Yeah. You know, where like it's it's the least active montage one could one could have. And by the way, he's he's studying for he's doing a makeup exam that's like a three hour test. Why does he have so many books that like do, do not even apply to science? Do you guys notice that? He's got like Walt Whitman and stuff. He's got like he's got like poetry and English. He's got all these books. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you were in college, a freshman class in college, uh you had one book, maybe two. But I feel like freshmen would just be like, do you have the book? The book? The book. <laughs> right? It's not like, do you have this, these, this pile of 27 books that have nothing to do with, with, <laughs> with animal science? My, my guess, my guess that that, what, that was not the only final that he was getting to retake. That he had, he was retaking all of his finals, not just from one class. Except when you when you break it down from a timeline perspective, yeah, that it debunks your theory because he gets up the next day, right early. He's he's sleeping late, and he gets up, and he basically has to go right to the test, and then he's he's gonna have the test right up until the boxing match. Yeah, you're right. So never mind. So, <laughs> and you put your wolf tail between your legs or your fox tail. Um, no, so no, because I thought about that too. I was like, what? but there's just no logical reason for that many, you know, books. And his, his other classes are never really mentioned anyway. But you'd be like, oh well, I just assume. That yeah, because you just had to take that one exam for to so you could box, right? So yeah, okay, yeah, okay, um, okay. Again, I just don't think it was well thought out. <laughs> That's my no, it, it may have been that. right that they didn't even know when they were shooting this. They were just like, he's studying for all of his exams. And then they, in, in the edit, they may have made it that one class, yeah. uh, which is yeah. probably what happened, honestly. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Because they were like, this is too much. we got to streamline it. And studying montages are not always uh, the most exciting. I mean, I, I personally think the <laughs> studying montage in Real Genius is I was just about to say, funny. I was just about to say Real Genius it's a good one. That one. It's a great that one. one's the it's best. It's a good one. Yeah, it's it is, great. It's the best one. Yeah. It's, it's a good one, one. But, but because it covers a lot of moments in time, it doesn't cover just one night. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're That's right. the difference. Okay. Because you yep. can go to day to night, different outfits, different things. Laszlo's doing this. He's you know, Mitch is crossing the street. The the corn the car honks at him. Right. This is like you have one night to just study. My man yeah. freaks out. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just want to point out too because we're, we're talking about the music and, and Diallo you were like I'm not sure who the music supervisor was there's a couple in this mm -hmm. uh, one, one is uh, Pat Woods and Jolene Cherry they both were music supervisors for the movie The Wraith which <laughs> has a killer soundtrack wow Jolene Cherry not only worked on The Wraith but she worked on this is your little quiz time I thumbs failed. up or thumbs down already Thumbs up or thumbs down or just, uh, you know, you can't do it on audio, but you, good or bad. I'm going to list some of the movies that she worked on, right? You tell me if they have a good soundtrack or not. The Crow. Good soundtrack. Good. Batman Forever. Oh, that was, I actually think that that was the tipping point for soundtracks in um, the uh, the. Is from is that Kiss now. from a Rose? Yeah, Kiss from a Rose. You too. Uh, Love me, leave me, fuck me, break yeah. me. Whatever. Yeah. Kiss from a Rose was on was on charts for like felt like a year. Yeah. After that. It, it, I, yeah. Right. The Legend of Billy Jean. Wow! Look at this. Yeah, we're doing thumbs up. One more, Michael. 
the the John Travolta Angel movie. Yep. Oh snap! I uh, forgot about that. Andy movie. McDowell. He smells like cookies. What, what, I don't remember <laughs> a single song from it. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, the song. Really? If I could change the world. Zach is. No, that wasn't. In, that wasn't in, Michael. Incredulous. Oh, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, never mind. Yeah. He's Fuck. incredulous Sorry. for for the wrong thing. I'm like, this is, <laughs> damn it. Nope. Damn it, because those. Mo- yeah, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Phenomenon. Good soundtrack, right? Phenomenon. Did I? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, to do I mean, it. that song is one of my all-time favorite songs, actually. Yeah. The, the John Cicada yeah. one. Uh, yeah, the, the, the John Cicada John Cicada cover. Okay. <laughs> as we start to wrap up, as we start to wrap up, instead of I know we normally cover like pop culture from 1987, but we've covered so many movies from 1987. I'm just gonna make a blanket statement. And then you guys can, we can kind of quickly debate it. Uh, and I'll cite some examples as to why I think I'll back up this statement. I'm going to say 1987, in my opinion, is the best year for movies in the 80s. What? Challenge. $2 late fee. Wouldn't this be funny if this was a segment <laughs> that we had where like somebody says something like this and then, and then we debate? Um, I mean, it was a great year. I could, I don't know that it was the best, but it was, a, I mean, it was a really, it was a solid year. Let me just ask, what year did RoboCop come out? This will solve it. 1987. Yeah, 87. Okay, 87. then it was. Then it yeah. was the best. Predator, <laughs> Predator came out in 87, right? Yep. Predator came out in 87. Running Man. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean, if you go into, if you just, if you look up uh, 1987 in film, uh and you go from top to bottom. Lo- the Lost Boys came out in 1987. The Untouchables came out in 1987. Good Morning Vietnam. Lethal Weapon. Hmm. Three Men and a Baby. Um, I mean, that is a franchise that just completely is. F- I'm surprised it hasn't been remade. By the way, anyway, go ahead. What's that? Three men uh, and three a baby. Three men and a baby. Yeah, it was so so big. They had like. I, I feel like it is actually being sequels. remade. Oh, is it? Oh. I feel like there's a remake in the works. Mm. Um, I mean, if you just go, I'm not going to list every single movie from 1987, obviously, but from cult movies like North Shore uh, to mainstream movies like The Witches of Eastwick, like 1987 is stacked mm. with with one great movie after another to the point where I'm like, that movie didn't come out. Oh, that came out in 87? Oh, wait, that did too? Holy shit. So many great movies. So, I, I mean, yeah, I'm making the case. Sounds like uh, you guys are not necessarily disagreeing with me. For some reason, I feel like 1984 or 82 was pretty strong, but I would have to sit down and, you know. <laughs> I would need my data to quantify. I would need, to, I would need to sturdy. Right, because I would be like eighty-five, but um, but I don't know, you know. And and why do you think that is? Because the studios were just cranking them out. There's a, there was a lot of movies that came out in eighty-seven. I mean, a lot. There's just, I mean, sometimes it's just happenstance, right? Like they just, yeah, it happens to be all like ninety-two is a real. I think is like the strongest year for movies in the nineties. I think for Kevin Costner movies, for sure. Yeah. For Kevin. Yeah. For for sure. Um, although his greatest movie came out in 95, uh, it's called water world. (laughs) I've never heard of it. (laughs) Raising Arizona came out in 1987. Uh, 
Damn. Police Academy 4. <laughs> you know, it's all yeah, over the, the place. The best police academy. Huh. Near Dark came out. Hellraiser came out. John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. What the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, which is, in my opinion, one of the best Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. It's um, definitely in the top five. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of wonderful, Dustin. Wow. Baseballs. Uh, okay. Stakeout. 1987 was the best year for movies. Princess Bride. Yes, Princess Bride. Yeah. Superman 4. <laughs> oh, best, dude. You said Superman. you lost all. That actually like takes up all credibility from everything. <laughs> <clears throat> Fatal Attraction. Planes, Trains, yes. and Automobiles. Yes. Gary and the Henderson. Wow. And oh, dude, your movie. Your movie came out that year. Monster Squad. Monster yep, Squad. Yep, we, 3 o'clock high. Yep. We, you know, Whoa, this is crazy. Wanted, Wanted Dead or Alive, which is a very underrated action movie. Whitewater Summer, Dra- Dustin. Dragnet? Whitewater What's Summer? happening? It's like every movie came out in 1970. Did you just say Adventures of Babysitting and the Secret of My Success? Yeah, I, I, you just said them. What? Born the... in East L.A. Did we... <laughs> La Bamba. Did we, La Bamba. Did we say Inner Space? No, we did not. Oh, you just did. Creep this show is too. weird. This is weird. Every movie came out in 1987. Everybody. Yeah, that was a good so, year. That was a good year for me. Yeah, Michael Michael Jackson's Bad came out that year. Can't buy me love. What's happening? This is crazy, guys. Like my case, my case has been yeah. made, and I'm the the defendant gets the 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 movies. the 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 plaintiff gets the uh, decision. Hiding out. Morgan Stewart's I coming home. Object sustained. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Stewart's coming home is so much fun, by the way. I've lost my mind right now, guys. This is crazy. Yeah. Yay! I remember Yay. that Yay. year just because I was... The gate. That was the year I was in... Uh, I was in England. Roxanne, Zach, and Roxanne. I missed, it's my favorite. I missed so many movies uh, that I was in England, and I came back, and my friends were like, did you see this movie called Predator? And I was like, no, I never heard of it. And then I had to catch up, like, in that... and watching uh Ro- robocop and all the all that other good stuff so that year yeah have you ever seen big shots big oh. shots uh, also 1987 well diallo not only big shots but the principal came out in 1987 oh, oh dude that was a good movie hell yeah i think i actually saw that in the theater this is weird it's all good stuff yeah america i think real men real men came out the real same year men. with uh the, the john ritter wow. and wow James Belushi, Jim Belushi. Wow. Anyways, I didn't mean to derail, to take you guys down. Well, maybe I did, wow. actually, uh, because I, I'm sure you both of you are going to go down a rabbit hole of looking at movies from 87 going, holy shit, Zach is right. <laughs> you know what else came out in 1987? Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf Teen 2. Wolf two. <laughs> well, way to bring it back, Diallo. Way to bring it back. So, obviously, I don't feel. I feel like we gave this film a fair shake. We 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 talked about the highs and lows, and um and and obviously we're gonna get more, uh, insight from our three guests, which will be the upcoming interview with Mark Holton, S.D. Chandler, and of course Stuart Fracken, our buddy. Um, yeah, this is fun stuff, guys. Diallo, tell, tell him I didn't mean that about the boners to bone. No, it's too late. It's I already late. texted him this. I feel recording. like, I feel like, um, Danny Elfman was like, "Yeah, you can take all my B sides. I am, a, I am about to go compose this movie 
called Batman that no one's ever heard of in about a year. So Batman came out in 89 <laughs> and he became one of the biggest composers ever after that. So, yeah, he probably was just like, yeah, you can have <laughs> you can have these. You guys seen Danny Elfman late lately? He looks tremendous. Like he's a 70. I don't know. He's almost 70 years old and he's like topless and tattooed and just bouncing around i don't know i don't know what he's doing but he was just at the hollywood bowl this past weekend i wanted to see him i didn't get to see it well he was topless yeah i saw pictures he was was moving around okay yeah these these the songs from the oingo boingo songs that have been in these summer school and team will too like they're they're just b-side songs you know um they don't highlight what Oingo Boingo was as a band. They don't highlight the Oingo or the Boingo. <laughs> no. They highlight the right said and the Fred. Yeah. Yeah. They, but, yeah. But, but Team Wolf 2. Um, Diallo, <laughs> where can everybody find you in the world of technology? Uh, fetal in the corner. Um, mm. is, that your, is that your handle? Yeah. Yeah, that's my new handle. That's your yeah. Tinder profile? You can no longer find me on Twitter. That's uh You're gone? The announcement. Yeah. You left? I deleted. I deleted. You've officially that. left. You yeah. get you got to fight the racism. You got to fight you got to fight it. That's mm. what they say. They say you got to fighting it all my life. You got to stand up. Well, cuz you are already banned <laughs> with the throw punch thing. So so don't you want to come out on top? Not a big political statement for me either. Just I just tend to try to do things mm. that uh don't give me stress. So just right. So no one can find you there. Um, yeah. So then I've amped up my Facebook posts, as you can tell, the last few days, because I don't have anywhere to like give my random thoughts. But anyways, I haven't been on. I haven't. The uh, Instagram, the Armageddon, um, and uh, I'm in the midst of a major relaunch of uh, the first Noel. Still, hopefully by the end of this month, I'll we'll have everything done. And, nice. And um, what is that for people who might not know? Yeah. Yeah. The first Noel is my uh, serialized fantasy novel in publishing. The first seven chapters are actually up. I do uh, an audiobook reading of it as well as a print version that's on Kindle Bella. And um, I have a new um, recording situation happening for it. So I'll be able to have everything um, sort of professionally edited and it will sound much better than it has before Um, and i did a major redesign of the website which i'm actually really proud of but i'm um so i'm going to be doing a push for that and some cool artwork for it i'm just boosting up presence for that and um angela in the dark which is my most recent comic book it is uh, on sale Trying to work on getting um, in a situation where we could do a full graphic novel. The first issue we have is sort of like an introduction to the world. Actually working on a motion comic of it, actually, as we speak. That will be coming out at the beginning of next year. Lovely. Um, A couple of voice actors you guys know might be on it. Townsend Coleman. Don Most. Uh, Yeah. Craig Shever. No, some some, some working. Yeah, some some Zach Schaefer dude. Oh, And we will put all of those links to Diallo's work in our show notes. So go check those out. And uh, Diallo, Dustin, and I 
uh, if you're in the Los Angeles neighborhood in the first weekend of December, the three of us are all going to be at LA Comic-Con. Stay tuned to our Instagram page for details because Dustin and I have a huge guest, a huge guest, a, a Holy Grail uh, guest, as far as I'm concerned, to be on the show. And uh, Diallo is going to have a great panel as well. So stay tuned to our Instagram page for more. Insta- yeah, all of our social pages. Uh, yeah, the guest that. might have movies that were directed and came out in 1987. Yes, actually, one of them. Yes, and one of yeah. and we we might have mentioned that is one. It Paul Verhoeven. Yes. I just want to say, guys, you know, if you've listened this far, thank you so much. But if you uh, if you have a moment and you want to give us a review somewhere um, on Spotify or Apple, uh, we would appreciate it. Rate us, review us. Um, and, of course, you can always join our Patreon for some bonus content. We have all sorts of sorts of great stuff, tons and tons of good stuff. And you can be involved in, in, our, in our directly, involved directly with our celebrity interviews as well. And thank you, as always, for listening. And stay tuned in two weeks. We've got wait, three amazing guys. Guests. I know, I know, we're ending. I know we're ending. But can stay I just tuned. say one more thing? The shirts that Styles sells say Teen Wolf Two. <laughs> I know. I love them. I kind of want one. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense no, for yeah. anybody. No, it makes, like it makes sense for us as the audience, but it doesn't make sense for like if you're at that school, you're like, who's the other Teen Wolf? He could just be selling <laughs> the same shirts that say Teen Wolf. And and also uh, when when Styles pulls out, it gives uh, Todd's uncle the the mcdonald's sandwich did you guys cringe at the styrofoam box <laughs> yeah because i was like oh do you remember the styrofoam boxes from back in 19 19- oh yeah oh god oh, yeah. not biodegradable that's for sure not for veterinarians <laughs> good way to end say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win even in the 80s all right thanks so much for listening we really appreciate it don't forget to subscribe and give us a four is it five star rating (laughs) don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on itunes we really don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on itunes if you listen to us on spotify that's great too And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 